the weather <laughs> before it got too, too hot. Lo and behold, we're in the car, and I thought I had the air on, but I didn't. I just had some hot air circulating inside the car as we were waiting to get something to eat. And Mayor was about to pull out some ice packs from somewhere, so locate them in the car. But lo and behold, as we were in line, I looked and said, wait a minute. Something don't look right here. Well, lo and behold, there was no cold air blowing. As soon as I pushed AC, lo and behold, look at that, cold air. We were okay after that. We can roll up the windows now. <laughs> so, Hanford and the people there bring greetings. We had just a wonderful time. Let me um, pray and just give you just a brief update and jump right into the word. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? Today, Lord, we are thankful to you for allowing us to get there safely to Hanford and for people to be able to get to their destination. Brother George getting back safely on Monday. Others that were traveling, we're thankful to you, and we pray for those that will be going to various places over the summer that you will provide and give the traveling mercy that is needed. We bless your name, we glory in you, and we thank you for your marvelous love for your people. The fact that we are to walk in love, we are to imitate Christ, we are to be your people, and we pray today that we will allow the love of God to shine through us, to live through our actions, through our feet, our hands, that we may bring glory to the matchless name of Jesus we thank you right now. For those that are not feeling well, we lift up Brother Kenny, Sister Nancy. We lift up others right now that are not doing well emotionally. Can be at church, but God, whatever is going on, they're not here. Those that are not doing well physically, we pray for in Jesus' name that you will be honored and glorified. We give you all the praise and we thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for the answered prayer and continuing to wait for additional prayers to be answered. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, right through Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. I'm just going to read 32 for context. We are now in chapter 5. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 32, right through chapter 5, verse 2. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. I'm going to read it out of my version because that's the one that I have. She doesn't have this one up there. It says, chapter 3, Colossians, verse 14, out of the ESV says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect 
John chapter 13, verse 34. St. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, I give to you. Start that over. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Go back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 8, verse number 21. Genesis eight twenty-one reads, out of the ESV, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. The, the title for this message is The Challenge to Walk in the Love of God, the challenge to walk in the love of God. We are often imitating somebody, someone we are often imitating. But that can be problematic when we are imitating the wrong one. Children love to imitate adults, and they began to learn roles early in life. Girls often dress up in mom's high heels and put on her jewelry. Boys often imitate driving a vehicle or playing games considered to be more masculine. When girls play games that boys often play when young, they are often called tomboys. My sister Frida was a tomboy growing up. She can play with the best of them. Throw a ball, pit a ball, play football. Boy didn't have a chance with freedom. Could shoot pool. <laughs> Kids learn not so good roles when they are exposed to violence. This often becomes a pattern that they themselves may follow when they get older, if they're exposed over a long period of time. Children say what they often hear and play out what they often see. And they will often do it in situations where parents often feel that they shouldn't be done there because, oh, it's embarrassing. Children mimic what they see. They say what they hear. Do you not know that you are to be an imitator? says right there in verse number one, therefore be imitators of God. Point number one is just learn to imitate God. Learn to imitate God. In chapter four, verse 32, you would think that it would conclude the good and positive statement that Paul is addressing and then goes on to chapter five. But the conclusion of the section of chapter 4, beginning at verse 25, concludes at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Chapter 5, verse 3 begins a new section 
on sexual purity or how one is not to act in that way, but the positive, the good that Paul speaks of in, in Ephesians 4.32 ends the section at 5.2. Be imitators. Imitators. The Greek word for imitators, there is, this word is mimetes. 1 Corinthians 4.16 would be a reference when Paul talks about we are to be imitators. And, uh, the, the, the issue that you, you come to discover is that God said that we are to be imitators of him. This is what Paul lays out. Paul often in his writings talks about being an imitator of himself. And we are to imitate and follow him as he follows God. But in this verse, in this chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says that we are to imitate God. He commands us we are to be imitators of God as why. Why is that? Because we are the beloved children of of God. If you are a child of God, you are to follow your parent, your father, and you are to imitate him. When I looked at this verse, there were three things that I drew from this matter of imitation. The challenge for the believer is to learn what one is to imitate. That's your challenge. Three things. The first that I note is that you must be observant to imitate. I'm going to just give you the three and just briefly break them down. You must be observant to imitate. The second thing that you need to be, you must be willing to imitate. And third, you must be faithful to imitate. Observant. Because Christ walked in this life and showed the ways of God, we have an example to observe, and therefore we must observe and have an intense desire to put into practice what we see and what we hear. You are looking at someone. Who are you looking at? You are to observe God and what he says in his word. I am convinced today that when people neglect the coming together to the body of Christ, neglect to be around the saints, neglect to read the word of God, that they are losing their focus and they are not being observant of God and therefore you cannot imitate him. You imitate that which you observe. Sometimes when children are, are imitating they, they, there's no doubt who they are mimicking. Or we say, oh. And when they say certain things, we, we, we oftentimes hear our words and our voice and what is being said. Well, when you are imitating God or supposed to be, what are you saying? Is it clear that you have been observing God and that you are imitating him? So you've got to be observant to imitate him. So it's hard to imitate if you are not seeing and if you are not hearing. If you are not in your word, you are not hearing God. Oh, help us, Lord. If you are not in your scriptures, in the word of God, you are not hearing him. So therefore, you're not being observant. You must imitate him. Uh, the second thing that we note, that I noted here, is that you must be willing to imitate 
Why? Because he says that we are the beloved children of God. Because we belong to God, there needs to be a willingness on our part to imitate him. There should be an intense willingness to imitate. You get that? There has to be an intense desire, an intense willingness to imitate. When you are loved, it is a motivating factor in your very life to reciprocate that love. We reciprocate the love that God shows us by being willing to imitate him. Paul had already laid out some things in Ephesians of who we are in Christ. And therefore, if we are dearly loved children of God, we then should be willing to do what he says and to respond as he does. Because you are beloved children, our outlook must be positive. There are some sourpuss Christians. Just sour. Sour, just how they live. We, if we are, if we are in Christ, and if we are observing Him, we've got to be positive. Why? Because God is love, and therefore our willingness is to follow Him. You see, if you observe someone carefully, you will note those peculiar situations that make up their life. You're looking at those things that just makes up who they are. We are beloved children. And children that are beloved observe their parents. Now, when you were growing up, you don't have to answer this out loud. Who did you imitate? You imitated somebody. When you get older, do you not know that you continue to imitate people? You don't stop imitating. And Paul tells us that you are to be imitators of the Almighty God. The third thing that I noted in this verse is that we are to be faithful to imitate. When you are not faithful, you cannot imitate God. You see, because God is faithful, he does those things that are faithful of his character, those things that make up his character. Faithfulness. We sing a song that says, faithful. Is our God. Well, if God is faithful, you've got to be faithful to imitate him. That means when you feel like it and when you don't. It is very easy to become distracted. And your best intentions or words or your best intentions cannot be carried out faithfully. If you are distracted, you can lose focus of that and of the person that you are supposed to be imitating. There's some times when I would just get really upset. Something would just make me angry. But I didn't want certain people seeing that. And so when the certain people come around, I act like everything was okay. Act like everything was fine. But there were times that I'd be upset. Now, it can take some time to get over anger. Now, there's nothing wrong with being angry. But the issue is how do you handle it? Can you get angry and handle it in the right way. God got angry. God is a man. God is the God who, who actually, when he gets angry, 
wants there to be a correction in the behavior of his people. He does not love being angry with his people. God is a loving God. He is a just God, but he hates sin. We've got to be a people that's willing to represent the full character of God. It is a one-sided thing when people just say, look at the love of God. And they think somehow that is never to speak about that which is wrong. If you are an imitator of God, you will be angry at the things that he gets angry with. And you will love the things that he loves. To be an imitator of God means that you must have longevity. It must be a lifelong pursuit. You are not in this race only when you feel like running. Those who are running a marathon, they will run and get up early in the morning when they don't even feel like it. The bed is just calling them, don't get up, just stay under the covers. Don't move, just stay here. You are so tired. You can run later, but a good trainer knows that they've got to get up and they've got to make that body submissive to them. And so they do things that they don't want to do. They are faithful to the task that they've been called to. Being faithful to your call and your task will ensure that you keep focused. Paul says, these previous things, In Ephesians 4, 25 through 31, put those things away from you. Then he gets to 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's what you are to imitate. You got to be observant, you got to be willing, and you got to be faithful to carry it out. Paul says, therefore, The imitators, as beloved children, you're not hated by God. Some people think that God is just out to get them. Why, God, is this all happening to me? Why aren't all the positive and wonderful things happening? Because he loves you. He's getting you to that point so that he can take you through some things so that you can learn how to rejoice And you can do those things even when circumstances are not the best around you. Be an imitator by observing, being willing, and being faithful. I'm almost done. Point number two, verse two, is live out love here and now. And walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering And sacrifice to God. For the first time in Ephesians, the love of Christ is mentioned here. For the first time in Ephesians, the love of Christ is mentioned. When we think of a pleasing aroma to God, you have to look back to the Old Testament to start. When we consider that when sacrifices were made... The Bible talks about it being a sweet-smelling aroma to God. How in the world could sheep and oxen and goat being killed on the altar be a sweet-smelling aroma to God? You understand and see that when we consider the fact 
that sin brings about God's judgment, it brings about the wrath of God, there had to be a way or something to be able to appease the wrath of God. Sin is that which brings God's judgment. God's love is and was so vast that he set up a system by which his anger and his wrath could be appeased. You cannot make up your own rules in order to please God. When Paul said be imitators of God, he didn't say go make up your own rules. Go make up your own plan. There is a path. And so there was a system of sacrifice you can see in Genesis and you can see in Leviticus and Exodus mentions, you can see the system that when certain animals were being offered, the Bible speaks of it was a pleasing aroma to God. Why? Because of where and who it was pointing. Turning your Bibles just briefly to the book of Exodus, chapter 29. I'm not going to dwell on I'm just going to read uh, a few scriptures here in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 29. And let's look at verse 18. Exodus 29, 18. And burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma. A food offering to the Lord. Go down to verse 25 of that same chapter. Then you should take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering. As a pleasing aroma before the Lord, it is a food offering to the Lord. Turning your Bibles to the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 1. And go to verse number 9. But his entrails and his legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering. With a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Turn way back over to the book in the New Testament. The book of Philippians. Chapter 4 of Philippians. And go to verse 18. Philippians 4. Verse 18. I have received... Full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, the Lord had given various rules and uh, of how sacrifices were to be carried out. It was important for the priest to carry out the sacrifices in the prescribed way, 
in order that God would accept the sacrifice. There are times when you would see when a sacrifice was offered, the Bible speaks of the fire of God coming down from heaven and consuming the the sacrifice that was on the altar. We see that with Elijah when there was a contest between Ahab or Jezebel's prophets and the Lord. And they set up this test. And the Lord's and the Lord's fire came through and swept up the water, the stones, and the sacrifice that was there. The Lord gave what was called the burnt offering and said that it was to be burned. And oftentimes, certain parts of the animal, but when something was a burnt offering, not only part of the animal, the whole animal had to be consumed by fire. It was a total sacrifice. Do you not know that you are supposed to be a burnt offering to the Lord? I'm not talking about you burning up your toast. You are to be put on the altar as a total sacrifice to the Lord. Symbolically, what does that mean? That you present yourself totally to the Almighty God that he may consume you and work in you through and through himself so that the only thing that's coming out of you is God. How you respond to situations. When you get upset and angry that God somehow is seen even through that in your life. So you're not having to say, I'm putting God aside for a moment while I deal with this person. You don't put God aside if you are the burnt offering that has been consumed and the glory of God is residing in you. The burnt offering was a sweet-smelling aroma that reached to God. Why? Because it was symbolizing what Christ was going to do one day in presenting himself as the sacrificial lamb on the altar. Jesus Christ was the burnt offering, totally giving himself to God as a pleasing aroma. That pleasing aroma to God was signifying what Christ one day would do for you and me and giving his life. He became the total burnt offering for you and for me. And Paul says you are to imitate him. You are to live your life in such a way. Live it out here and now in love. It was the love of God that says, I had loved those people so much, I'm going to wrap myself up and go and rescue them. Paul says, this is what you are to imitate. This is what you are to remember. You are to be a sweet-smelling savor. Not save your savor. Aroma to God. What is God smelling when your fire is going up? What does he smell? Is it sweet smelling? Or is he going, ooh, what is that? We had some skunks that seemed to just come around the church, come Brother Don, and spray by the door. They would dig and bury themselves 
underneath right outside and, 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 and then we had to block that off and had to put some cement so they couldn't go down and dig and burrow themselves underneath. They got through a couple times. Brother Don had, oh, I got an idea. Put some cement. I think they got upset and angry because the next day it was stinking. I think they sprayed says, fine, deal with y'all and let loose. That was not a sweet-smelling aroma in here. Had to have the windows open. There was one occasion when Brother Larry, when he was doing the church, we kept smelling for weeks this, this skunk. It says, by now the smell should be gone. Well, lo and behold, we found what the problem was. There was a skunk outside the church, down below, There had been a bag by the door for a long time. The skunk had got in there and died. When Brother Larry opened up the bag, he saw the skunk, but he didn't smell a skunk. Why? Because his nostrils weren't working right. Couldn't smell. He is on top of the thing here and don't smell it. Well, thank God that he removed it. And within a short amount of time, that smell dissipated. When there's a problem in your life, and God's light is shown on that area of your life, God says you are to walk in love. Does the Lord change you? Is it able to change that situation so that you become a sweet-smelling sacrifice and not smelling like a skunk? Sin stinks before God. It gives off a bad odor. But when you walk in the love of God and allow the love of God to permeate your life and then it comes through, oh, that's a sweet-smelling aroma before God. When Christ is able to do a work on the inside of you and change you from the person you used to be, you become a sweet-smelling savor before the Almighty God. What do you smell like? What do you smell like? Your challenge is to walk in the love of God. Your challenge is to let the love of God invade your life and you are to walk it out. You got to be observant. You've got to be willing. You've got to be faithful. You've got to be an imitator of God, and you've got to allow the sweet-smelling aroma of Christ in you go up to the Almighty so that he can say, What a wonderful aroma. What a wonderful smell that's coming from my child. Imitate Christ. So when you do what he says, You put off a wonderful order. Obey him. Live for him. Honor him. It's a sweet smelling aroma that God smells. When you obey him, when you live out his word, you become a sweet smelling savor to him. When you bring glory to his name and love as you are supposed to love, you give off a fragrance where God says, oh, who is that? Oh, that's my child. 
If you are a beloved child of God, then you want to do that which brings honor to your father. So, what do you smell like? Don't blame other people. Ain't they fault? They're not putting off an odor for you. <laughs> you put off your own odor. So what do you smell like? Stand to your feet. You've got to be willing to, to walk in this life. You've got to be willing to love. Because the next time we come together, Paul is heading right back to the area of what one is not to do. So you've got to reprieve only for a short time. <laughs> For Paul now brings up another area. Why? Paul is here because he wants us to be imitators of Christ so that when God looks down and smells the sacrifice, that burnt offering, he can go, oh, it's a sweet smelling aroma. God, we pray that in this place today, that we really will allow you to do that work in us as our Father. Because we are your beloved children, that will allow the the work that Christ has done, the fact that he died for us, the fact that he gave himself on the cross, satisfied the penalty of our death, our separation from you, so that what he did became a sweet-smelling sacrifice, the ultimate sweet-smelling sacrifice. And you told us we are to imitate you. We are to do it for your glory. For God, we pray today that this week that we will put off a pleasant aroma, a sweet-smelling aroma that will bring glory to your holy and matchless name. We give glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.